Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. stunt driver you just got your license back we almost died we almost died twice i was totally out of control good morning 10 o'clock so glad that you are here and if nobody else said it to you i am super excited that you were here this morning and i'm glad that you made it to church this morning we are in a series called out of control and the idea of out of control that sometimes our lives, many times our lives can appear super calm and cool on the outside, like we've got it all together. On the inside, really there's a storm. There's a, we're just wrecks sometimes, and those things don't line up. And we want to look at that, and we've been going through some of the principles of a book called Boundaries. And if you haven't picked up this book, it's a great book, well worth your time. I don't recommend very many books, but I do recommend that you pick this one up. We have a few copies left in the lobby. You can also, I'm sure, get it digitally as well, but it's worth your time to read through this book. Uh, it will make a drastic improvement in the way that we, li- we live our lives, so uh, take some of that advice as well. The, during this series, we are encouraging you to text questions to this number. Uh, you can go ahead, if, I would encourage you to write this down on the notes uh, on the paper you got or put it in your phone right now uh, if you haven't already. And as you come up with questions like today or even uh, uh, from weeks previous in this series uh, or in the next week or so, uh, you can text those questions in. in, in you can text those questions in anytime. Easy for me to say, right? And we want to address those in a couple of weeks in a question and answer time, because we realize that as we uh, looked at the flags that uh, many of you have planted up here, uh, representing areas of our lives that we want God to take control of this year, uh, that a lot of these really touch close to home. Especially as today, we want to look at boundaries in relationships, and we know that that can sometimes um, relive some old wounds that may be there. And so uh, as you have questions, text those in, um, send them. We'd love to try to address those uh, in a few weeks. So um, I want to go back a little bit in time and talk about uh, the time when we lived in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, My wife and I, we had a a piece of property that we were moving into. It was an acre of land in Tucson, Um, and many of you, when you think of Tucson, you're going to think of just like barren dirt desert, and you're not far off. Uh, but where we were, it was uh, an area where it was a flat piece of land, um, and you can picture pretty much a square, not quite a square, but close. And we had uh, old-growth mesquite trees, which I don't know if you know what a mesquite tree is, but it's an old, gnarly-looking tree. It makes really good barbecue. Um, but most of the, the trees in the desert, uh, mesquite trees, are going to be little trees like maybe four or five inches in diameter, and that's considered a decent, healthy mesquite tree. 
Um, some of the old growth ones in this area, the Tanker Verde Valley where we were moving into, were literally four or five feet in diameter. They had been there a long time. It takes a long time for that kind of a tree to grow in Arizona. So as we moved in, um, a couple of things that we did, and I'll get to that in just a second, but that's kind of, if you picture that with a bunch of, you know, cactus and a lot of dirt, just a lot of dirt um, in the yard, we moved in, and one of the things we did right before we moved in was we, out of our sliding glass door in the backyard, there was a swimming pool 10 feet off of that door. It had no fence around it, and we had a couple of kids at the time, and we really were concerned um, that our boundaries would not equal the boundaries of our children, so we needed to put a fence up. That was before we even moved in, just because we knew that the kids would want to go jumping in that pool, even not knowing how to swim, and we needed to protect them from that. So we, we did move in after we put the fence up, and then I remember one day in the house right after we, we got in, um, hearing a chainsaw buzzing from the neighbor next door, and I went out and looked, and he's buzzing down one of these giant old-growth trees in an area between our properties where we, we had just moved in, so we weren't quite sure where that boundary line was on that side. So I went over and talked to him. He wasn't quite sure either, but the result is we hired a surveyor uh, to find out where the property line was, because we didn't want him buzzing our trees down, and... We also didn't want to stop him from buzzing trees that were his. So uh, we hired a surveyor. He, surveyor. he came out and put giant three-foot wooden stakes with orange flags on them in each corner. He found one corner post, kind of the, the golden rule one, and then he went out from there, measured, spent a few hours figuring it out, and then he put these little flags all the way in between. So we knew exactly where our property line was, and it turns out he was chopping his own trees down, so he was fine doing that. But we did notice on the other side of our property uh, on a part that it was more or less like dirt and sand, um, our neighbor's driveway, which had gravel on it that he was using to access his house, went right across the corner of our property, and one of our posts was literally in the middle of his driveway. Um, so, of course, I just went over, and we had a nice conversation. Um, no, I did not, because I'm passive-aggressive. I left it there for two weeks, and then I pulled it out, because that's how I roll. Um, I just kind of let him know, like, I didn't care that much, but I do want you to know whose property you're driving on. Um, that's what I do. So we also had um, the back of the property. They had had a steel horse corral that they had cut off at some time. They no longer needed it for horses. So they had cut them off about two inches above the ground. So you had these ragged pieces of steel sticking out and held in the ground with two or three feet of concrete below it. And so we spent a day because we had kids and we knew they would probably go out there and eventually get hurt. And we just didn't want to do stitches any more than we had to. So we dug them up and we got rid of those. So we took care of that. Uh, next to that was a giant pile of manure that we also didn't want our kids thinking was an awesome hill to, to roll up and down. So, well, I guess roll down. It's hard to roll up a hill. But we didn't want them playing on it and thinking it was a great thing for them. So we got rid of that. And we got rid of some weeds. We eventually turned our carport into a garage. We painted. We did, we did some improvements on the property. We took care of what was ours, and our neighbors took care of what was theirs. And that's what boundary lines do. And just like in that example, like at my property... Boundary lines in our lives help us define what is our responsibility and what is not our responsibility in the relationships that we have and the things that we spend our time doing in life. If you have your Bible, we're going to start in a passage in Romans. Uh, and we're going to start in Romans, I believe it's chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can read along behind me if you're just like, I just want to sit back and relax. That is totally cool with us. There's also a Bible somewhere probably nearby you under a seat in front of you. 
Uh, you can ACF app. Um, there is an endless amount of ways you can get the, the scripture. This particular one is going to be on the top of your notes that you were handed as you walked in as well. So here we go. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We each have to stand before God for what we are responsible for, not what anyone else is responsible for. And they will do the same thing. We're each accountable for what we are accountable for. And that's really what boundaries are all about. So the question that comes to my mind, are boundaries even biblical? Or are they just make maybe some psychological yoga that we've come up with that sounds really good but really has nothing to do with God? So I want you to, if you, on the bottom of your notes, write this down. God's boundaries are all around us. God's boundaries are everywhere. We got to witness last Sunday night. I don't know how many of you went out uh, into the cold Sunday evening. Uh, it was nice because it was early enough that all my kids got to see it, but we stood out in the cold and froze a little bit. Um, and we got to see the, the, the earth come between the sun and the moon and a full lunar eclipse. And this one they called the super blood wolf moon. They added wolf this year. I, I swear every time they do it, they're just going to add more, more terminology to make it sound even more awesome than it was. The, the moon did not bleed blood down to the earth like some of my kids might have thought. Um, it was just red kind of colored. So that's what that means. Super, I guess, means big. Um, and then wolf just means it was in January. So go figure. It sounds a lot more vicious than it is, but that's what happens. But the reality is that when God sets a boundary, we can count on it. You don't have to turn there, but you might write it down. Uh, it's Jeremiah 31, verse 35. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the truth is that we find... Oh, Backing up a little bit, I I read an article that was really super cool. It was like they can now, like on a a solar eclipse where uh, the moon passes in front of the sun, they can now tell you within less than a meter where the shadow of that moon is going to hit the earth and how it's the path it's going to take, like across the United States, for instance. With an incredible amount of accuracy, we can count on what God has set as boundaries in our in our universe in our creation. But the truth is we do see boundaries right from the start. Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, the very first verses. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without, without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. I think that may be the very first recorded boundary in Scripture. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. When God sets a boundary, it's immovable. What he sets in place, we can't remove or change. And we're we're given another one by Jesus himself uh, in the New Testament, in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. And it's still true today. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The immovable boundary is that there is one way to God. But the gate that God provides, the access that we can go through that boundary, is Jesus Christ himself. Boundaries really set limits on how others can interact with us. 
We want to let good things, healthy things in, and we want to keep unhealthy, bad things out. That's the idea. We don't want to isolate ourselves to the point where we, we, we have no inroads. We, we have no relationship with other people. That's not how God operates. He creates inroads to himself. He created one and gave it to us in, the, in Jesus Christ. So we want to emulate that by letting others have gates and access into our lives. And we, we want others to have access as well. So really, what do boundaries do for us and others around us? You can write this down if you're taking notes. Healthy boundaries allow us to experience God's love for us and to express his love towards others. Ultimately, they allow people to take responsibility for themselves and for you to take responsibility for yourself. That's what healthy boundaries do. So what are some markers or some signs of healthy boundaries? Healthy boundaries recognize the law of sowing and reaping. God has designed us to live life with natural consequences to our choices, whether good or bad. When we remove those from, when we remove the consequences of good or bad choices from someone else's choices, we really are robbing them of the opportunity that God is affording them to learn what God is teaching them in their life. And ultimately, we're just continuing to let them do things that may or may not be healthy for them because they have no consequences for the choices that they're making. Our scripture, Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, says it will each stand before God. And again, we will not stand there for someone else. We're going to stand there for ourselves and give an account of what we're doing. We are called to love other people, but we can't own the actions of other people. When we find ourselves trying to manipulate the outcome of other people's decisions, we might need to address a boundary issue that's been crossed. When I was in college, well, actually, let me go to high school. Um, My dad hired my brother and I when we were late sophomore, junior, senior in high school to work for a company that he had. Um, and we soldered circuit boards, we cleaned, we ran errands, whatever it was that he had to do. He was willing to pay us if we were willing to work hard so that when we got to college, we would have enough money to attend the local university in Arizona, in Tucson. And so we did. And so when I got to college, um, one of my friends kept borrowing money from me because he knew I had a lot of money in the bank saved up from working. And I was, I have a, a soft heart for people, so... I loaned him money, and after a few times, four or five times, I realized what I was doing was I was enabling him to live a very unhealthy, uh, unscriptural lifestyle. It wasn't good, and I was just continuing to allow him to do that, and I also realized he was never going to pay me back for any of that money. So I had a talk with him, and we had that that come-to-Jesus moment of, I'm not going to loan you any more money, and he was just like, hugged me and said, thank you, you were the best person on the face of the planet. No, he totally didn't. He actually was really upset to the point where he broke the relationship with me at that point. Uh, And so the years went by and we hadn't talked. Um, But it was for his own good. He needed to learn a natural consequence for choices that he was making. Another sign of a healthy boundary, another marker, is that it expresses true respect for other people. When we allow other people to truly make choices in freedom and not out of guilt or out of expectations, then they really are getting our honor and our respect. So when my wife and I 
come to the end of the evening. We'll probably do it tonight. Um, we finally get all of our kids, to, at least in their room. We say to bed, but that's just a lie. They're just in their room doing what they're doing. I, I don't know. You hear Legos being sorted, and you hear, like, giggling, and I don't know what's happening, but they're not upstairs, so I'm happy most of the time. But So we like to sit, and we turn on Netflix. And I'll be honest, I'm selfish. I want to watch my shows. I don't want to watch anything. We have different ideas of what we should be watching on Netflix. I like awesome movies, you know, like Braveheart and Die Hard and Top Gun and occasionally Princess Bride because you got to throw your wife a bone occasionally. You got to like let her have something that's girly-ish. But the reality is, if I truly respect her, and and I do, then I'm going to ask her what she wants to watch. And I'm going to kind of learn what she wants to watch if I'm an observant husband. So this week we watched two nights. We spent it, we split it in half. We watched Pearl Harbor, which is, is a cool movie because lots of things get shot up. Um, but it really isn't about that, is it? If you've watched Pearl Harbor with a lady, you know that it's totally not about any of that. It's all about Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck looking pretty sweet. So <laughs> she just wants some eye candy occasionally too. So, but if you respect people, you allow them to make real choices. And sometimes those choices aren't exactly what you would choose either. So healthy boundaries let us do those things. Philippians 2, starting in verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Really, healthy boundaries truly allow us to honor and respect and deeply love the people around us, just like we want to be treated as well. Healthy boundaries also, this is another mark, allow us to evaluate the difference between hurtful and harmful. Hurtful and harmful, or hurting and harming. The example they give in the book is if you go to the dentist to get a cavity filled and they're drilling your your cavity, I don't care how much Novocaine they use, eventually they're going to hit a nerve, right? It's going to hurt, right? The whole process is not enjoyable. Most people wouldn't volunteer, like, I just want to have my tooth drilled today. Um, You do it because you have to, and it hurts, but the end result is that it helps you. Now, when you were eating all the sugar to lead up to that cavity and not brushing your teeth maybe as well as you should have, that didn't hurt at all, right? But it was super harmful. And that's the difference that they make in the book. There are things that hurt, but they are not harmful. But there are things that can harm. And so we need to understand in true healthy boundaries, know know and evaluate the difference of of what that looks like as we set boundaries that affect other people around us. Will this harm them? Will this hurt them? Is this for the better good? So I'm going to go all the way back to junior high now. I was maybe sixth, seventh grade, and we went to, every year we went to a summer camp in California, and I remember, um, I can still tell you the name of the counselor that was over my little group of boys, it was probably, I don't know, five or six, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight guys in this one cabin, and we had the, you know, the bunk beds with the really horrible mattresses with the springy things, and, and Pat Sandoval is the guy's name who was the counselor in charge of us. And he made an impact because I, I'm not going to tell you how old I am right now, but it was a little while ago before, since I've been in seventh grade. And he seemed like he was 90, but I'm, he's probably like 18 or 20 at the time. It's just when you're that age, everybody older than you looks really old. So we were going to bed the first night, and I remember that we were just being boys. You know, we were telling jokes and snickering and laughing and it was really way past bedtime, and he kept telling us to be quiet. We were making farty noises. Um, then he would tell us to be quiet, and we would you know, snicker at that. And then it, we, it, it just was bad. So he finally set a limit, and he said, all right, if 
I hear another noise from many of you, then you're going to spend your, your free time tomorrow picking up garbage around the camp. And so, of course, we took it seriously. We went right to sleep, and that's the end of the story. No, we, of course, snickered. It took us all of, like, three seconds, and we're snickering again. And so he said, all right. And he just went over, rolled over and went to bed. So the next day, we ate, you know, did all the camp stuff, got to lunch, ate lunch. And he says, all right, follow me. And we got garbage bags, and we went and picked garbage up for four hours around camp. It hurt. As a seventh grade boy in the mountains with, you know, streams flowing through, you want to go explore, you want to go do all kinds of fun things, but yet we're picking up garbage the entire time. It hurt. But you know what? Ultimately, and you can tell because I remember the the incident, it affected who I was. It changed a little bit of my perspective in life. So it helped me in the long run. Something that hurts doesn't always harm me. So whenever the topic of boundaries comes up, there's always a couple of misconceptions, and I've got two uh, that I want to talk about. Misconception one is that I'm being selfish if I set boundaries. That really, if I set boundaries around my life, that all I'm really doing is trying to keep everybody else out and just only good things happening to me. But the truth is that we must be good stewards. Now, my name is Stuart. That's different than being a steward. Those are different words. Some of you are aware of that, most of you, I hope. If you're not, then... You just learned something. Stewardship is managing the resources that we have really well. God gives us all things in our lives that we are to use to honor and glorify him in the way that we interact with other people around us. And when we do that well, that's called stewardship, good stewardship. When we set up boundaries in our lives that are really just meant to protect us and make our lives easy, and it's all out for me, that's selfishness, and that's different. Then boundaries can be selfish. At my house, one of our guilty pleasures, I'll say mine, I'm not going to include everybody, well, mine and my kids, it's potato chips. We love potato chips. And if, if you have a bag of chips in my house, the lifespan is maybe like 10 seconds. Um, it just becomes a feeding frenzy because we love them. I love them. I'm, I'm, my guilty pleasure, I'm sort of not ashamed of it. I just love it. Um, so I open the chips and my kids want them, right? So the first kid comes up and she wants all of them. So if I just give her all of the chips... She's super happy, right? But the next four girls who want chips too come up and they don't have any. They're not happy, right? They feel a little gypped. I had a resource and I used it very non-stewardship-like. Now, if I set boundaries and I only give each kid maybe a handful, they each get a little bit, the first one's upset because she didn't get all of them. That's what she wanted. But she still got some and the rest got some. So I was able to use the resource more wisely. The same is true with boundaries. Misconception two, boundaries are a sign of disobedience. If I set boundaries in my life, it's really just a huge indicator to everybody else that knows me that I have huge sin areas in my life that need to be addressed. But the truth is, a lack of boundaries is a sign of disobedience in our lives. 1 Corinthians 9 Starting in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Accomplishing goals requires setting boundaries, setting limits in what you do. When I, now we're going to fast forward to when I was in uh, high school. 
not junior high anymore. I was in high school, and I had gotten a bicycle, a really nice road bike for Christmas. And I, in Tucson, there's a lot of tours, bicycle races uh, that occur all the time. The weather's pretty much you can ride year-round. So it's, it's an awesome place to have a bicycle. But I'd never done one, so I picked one. It was a 50-kilometer uh, bicycle tour. And I, I knew if I just went out and started riding, I, I might not finish. I might not do well. So I practiced for months in advance. I ate. I disciplined how I ate. I set limits. I disciplined my schedule. I made time to practice, to go do cardiovascular stuff, um, to make sure that I was ready for that race. Uh, practice riding shorter distances, but I made boundaries in my life. I set limits. Um, and I'm proud to say, I'm proud to say 114th out of 576. So basking in the glory today. So, so the reality is you can write this down if you're taking notes. Proper limits and boundaries allow us to accomplish God's desires in our lives. So how do we set boundaries? That's the real question, right? That's, that's what it comes down to, is how do we set boundaries in our lives? And so from the book, I've come up with uh, five steps that you see in healthy boundaries. And they're on your notes, and they're, they're, they're the fill-ins. Number one, pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to your emotions. Your emotions really are like indicator lights on your dashboard of your car. They tell you something needs attention. So in our lives, when you have emotions, when you're feeling different ones, it can be an indicator that something else is happening. Uh, specifically, like anger uh, is one of these emotions that it's, it's really not the primary emotion. It's something else drives us to be angry. And so when we feel anger in our hearts, we ought to be asking, why am I feeling angry right now? And the reality, though, is there's a healthy response to anger, and then there's really two other responses that we can have to anger in kind of in a general term. And the first is that we, we, we stuff it. We shove it down. Someone does something to us, we feel the anger, and we just kind of pretend it's not there. And we, we just go, go on in life. And some of us are so good at this that we don't even feel the anger anymore. We just kind of go through life almost numb, never really experiencing that emotion. The other way we can unhealthily express it is we kind of have the volcano, the eruption, the, the I'm just, I go from like zero to, to you know, DEFCON one immediately, and I am ready to explode um, in an unhealthy way. Proverbs 29.11 says this, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. We're warned about the expression of uncontrolled anger, not about having anger. A wise man learns to control it, put a leash on it, but not, it doesn't say shove it and forget it, don't feel it. And so I want to, and some of you need to hear this today. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel anger. But we need to find out what is causing that anger, where it's coming from. And that's where, where, really where setting a healthy boundary starts. Where is this coming from? Obviously, if I'm feeling this, either my boundary has been violated or I violated somebody else's boundary in some way, and I need to adjust and address that. Step two, find others who respect your boundaries. Find other people who respect your boundaries. People who are are going to allow you to walk through that process of finding out who, who you are, where you re, what you are responsible for, where your boundaries lie, and where their boundaries start. And this is my unashamed plug for our life groups, because there are leaders who are creating spaces in our church 
where you can do this, where you don't have to feel guilty, you don't have to feel shame, where you can come and you can be who you are, where what is going on inside can come out in a place where no one is going to judge you for that. In fact, they're probably going to go, yeah, I have the exact same problem, or I've been struggling with something very similar. So if you haven't gotten part of a life group, uh, I highly recommend that you do. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, or love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. One of our core values here at ACF is that we believe that life is better together. You can go through life all by yourself, but it's so much better and more healthy for you when you do it with other people who are striving to know and honor God as well. Step three in setting healthy boundaries. Value the treasure you have. Value the treasure that you have. My, at my house, if you, if you were to come over to my house, um, you drive up the driveway, and you come to my door, it's going to be locked, or it should be. My kids haven't figured out all the time to lock doors, but it should be locked because we value things inside our house. I don't leave the garage door up. Well, babies kind of want to pay the heat bill, but um, there's also the, I don't want you stealing my stuff. And I trust you guys, but some of your neighbors, I'm not so sure about. And, and so I lock up stuff that I value. And in, uh, next to my house, my wife would say it's in the front yard. I say it's next to our house is a connex. We have a 20-foot connex, and I put a lock on that, a big padlock, because I don't want things to disappear out of it, because I value what's inside. They, they are meaningful and important to, to me and my, my family. Inside our house, we also have safes. And those safes are locked down, and my wife and I are the only ones that know the combination to those. Because we value even more, there are some things that we cherish so much that we we carefully watch how things go in and out of those things. Just like that, God has given us valuable treasures inside our lives. We have gifts, we have ability, we have time, we have insight, we have things to offer other people. And we need to first and foremost understand and see that you have something valuable inside you. And some of us, that's hard to do because we've been told our entire life that that's not the case or we felt that our entire life. But the reality is God has instilled in you some incredible, incredibly valuable things. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Living life without boundaries really is like living paycheck to paycheck, just hoping things work out at the end of the month, but never really accomplishing your goals in life. When we have healthy, value, value, when we have healthy boundaries, we're able to protect the treasures that we have and meter them out and protect them from thieves who want to steal your, your time, your effort, your energy, and your resources to use on things that God hasn't intended at times that aren't appropriate. The fourth step is practice your nose. Practice your nose. And in fact, we're going to practice right now. On, on three, I want you to very firmly say no. One, two, three. No. That was pretty good. I think 8.30. You want to do it again? All right, here we go. One, two, three. No. That was much better. All right, you guys are in it now. See, practice helps. Start off small with your nose and then work into the bigger nose that need to occur in your life. Don't just jump into like the biggest, I got to set a boundary in my life right here without any experience or practice because that can be 
that can be hard to navigate that if you haven't had some practice. So start off small, with smaller things. And the reality is, if you are like me and I'm a people pleaser, you're not used to telling people no when they ask you things. And so it can feel, you can feel guilty inside. It can feel really awkward. And the reality is, if, if you're saying no because you are protecting a resource so that it will be used by God in, in a different way, then that feeling of guilt, even though it may be there at the start, the more you practice setting healthy boundaries, that will start to fade away because you know that you're doing the right thing before God. Proverbs 10, 18, it says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips and whoever utters slander is a fool. Have you, have you ever like, been talking with somebody and they ask you to do something like, hey, let's go out to lunch. And in your mind, you're thinking, there's a million reasons why I don't want to go out to lunch. First, I want to take a nap later. Um, second, I haven't spent time with my kids uh, third, I was, I was hoping to get some time to run down to the store and get some things that I haven't had time to look for. And yet you say yes. And then you go to lunch with them. And the whole time, you're just thinking, I, ah, why did I do that? I should have said no. Why didn't I just say no? It would have been so much easier. But now I'm out to lunch and I'm killing my whole afternoon. Proverbs here tells us that that's the same as lying. When we say one thing with our lips but yet something else is going on inside us. And we want to align those two things. We serve a God who, uh, is, in whom is no deceit. And as we grow closer to that God, what's inside us is going to match up with that truth. And what we say and what we do is going to line up more and more. So practice those no's. The fifth step, the final step, love the boundaries of others. Love the boundaries of others. As you develop healthy boundaries in your life, you will actually start to love the boundaries that other people set up, even when that means a no to you, even when that means you have to do a little more work in your own life, because ultimately, you realize that people need to own their responsibility, and you love and respect those who are taking responsibility for themselves, that they're taking care of their own yard so that you can take care of yours. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Ultimately, when we set healthy boundaries, we are freeing up our yes and our no, and we're allowing other people to have a truly free yes and a no. And what does that mean? It means that when you ask, you're not asking with manipulation to expect an answer. You're, you're legitimately giving them the option of saying no and evaluating whether that's best for them. And when they say yes, they can truly commit. And the same goes for you, that you can evaluate the request and your resources and your goal, what you've been called to do, and you can wholeheartedly give a yes, or you can graciously say no, that's not what I should be doing at this time. So it frees up your ability to say yes and no. The end result of a healthy boundary is that our lives are no longer blown and tossed by the never-ending requests of the people around us. But instead, we start to live life more on purpose, following what God has put into our hearts. And ultimately, we honor God and we love other people well when we have healthy boundaries. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your great love for us. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are a God who sets boundaries. And Lord, when you set boundaries, they are immovable. A lot of times we, we set boundaries and then we back off. We set boundaries on principle because we, we want to honor you and then we back off because of the requests. 
Lord, help us to be people where what we are inside matches what we do on the outside. Lord, help us to walk through our lives with the conviction that comes as we walk with you. As we grow closer and closer with you and we see the purpose that you have put us on earth for. Lord, help us to use our resources wisely to be good stewards of the things that you have put into our lives, our personalities and our time and our energy, our insight and our wisdom. Lord, would you help us to use that wisely with the people around us, to invest well, Lord, to be responsible for for what is our responsibility and to allow others to be responsible for what is theirs. Lord, thank you for setting a great example in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have a way to approach you. Lord, I pray that we be people who would honor you in everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.